Well, we've come to the main message portion of our service now, so hopefully you have your Bible at hand, and we'll get started. We'll move quickly. The title of this sermon is A New Year Prayer for You. A New Year Prayer for You. Now, to, to give you this prayer, I'm not going to rely on my own creativity, but I'm going to look to the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians. He prays a prayer for the church at Ephesus, for the members there, and this is what we're going to focus on. Lord, as we open the, the book of Ephesians today, help us to understand Paul's concern for the church at Ephesus. And of course, you have the same concerns for the church today, including our congregation. So help us to learn what we can, what your goal is for us for this new year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'll turn to Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, to look at Paul's prayer for the congregation there. And as I said, the same prayer applies to us today. You know, usually with the start of a new year, people pray to God for blessings to come their way in the coming year and prayers to be answered. And those are fine things to pray for. But I want you to notice the spiritual things that Paul notices about the congregation and what their needs are. This is what he says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Ephesians 3, verse 15. From whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What a beautiful prayer. Well, let's break this down because Paul is praying about four things in particular. He talks about praying and kneeling before the Father. And you know, uh, when you reach a certain age, it's hard to kneel. Your knees aren't as strong as they used to be. It's hard to get back up. But I think what Paul is implying here is that uh, we need to bow our heart and bow our will to the Lord when we pray. You know, back in Paul's day, it wasn't common to kneel to pray. It was common to stand to pray. So if you pray this prayer or want to pray to God, you don't necessarily have to kneel. If you'd like to and you're able to, that's fine. But he says here again back in 14, I kneel before the, the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So everyone that God has created, whether it be the human race or whether it be the angelic realm, which he also created, we all get our name. We're, we're part of that family. And we all derive our, our name and our being from God the Father. So we're thankful to him for that. So in verse 16, he first of all prays that the inner man might have spiritual strength. He doesn't pray necessarily for physical strength for our bodies, although the older we get, that's something we pray about all the time. And that is important, that we have physical strength. But he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So we focus so much on our outer body, our muscles, our joints, that they all work properly so that we can still get around okay. 
But Paul prays for inner strength. And that's something we need to pray about too. That's something we need from God. Spiritual strength is supplied by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. He's praying for the power of the inner man, the spiritual part of man and woman, where God dwells and where God works. I want to turn to one other scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Notice what Paul says here. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. You know what? (laughs) From the time you're born, you kind of start dying. You know, you have so many days on this earth, and your body, you know, is only going to last for so long. What is the, the common age limit these days? Maybe about 70 to 80 in there someplace. He says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And that's something that's encouraging for me, you know, as I grow older, because I'm not able to do the things that I used to be able to do, and that can be discouraging and depressing. And some of you have a head start on me. You're older than I am. So I'm coming to understand what you're going through on a daily basis, getting up in the morning and just getting out of bed and some, some days is something to uh, you know, praise God for. He says in verse 17, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweigh them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen, our human bodies, is temporary, but what is unseen, that inner man or woman, that is eternal. So when we think about this coming year, you know what? We're going to slow down a little bit more in the year 2020, physically speaking. But it is Paul's prayer and it is my prayer that we grow even more spiritually in the coming year. That God feeds the inner man. God strengthens the inner man where Jesus Christ is dwelling. Amen. So, you know, we need to look forward to this coming year with encouragement. And I think that these are encouraging words from Paul. He prays that the inner man might have spiritual strength, which will lead you to a deeper experience with Jesus Christ. That's our goal for the year 2020. Now back here to our original scripture in Ephesians 3. He goes on to pray for something else. Not just inner strength, the spiritual strength that we need. But in verse 17 he says, So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints. So the second thing that he prays for is that we be rooted and grounded in God's love. So rooted, a Christian must get his roots deep into the love of God in order to have nourishment. You know, in so many ways throughout the Bible, and especially in the teachings of Jesus, he talks about farming, and he talks about plants, and he talks about growing things. And we need to put roots down in the love of God. Because the deeper our roots go, the stronger that we are. Amen. You know, spring is going to be coming soon, and all of a sudden the dandelions are going to start to sprout in our lawns. And if you've ever gone out there and tried to pull dandelions out, you know how difficult that is. You've got to get them really early on, 
or the battle's practically over because they put down a very deep root, a tap root. And it's really hard to pull dandelions out from your lawn. You have to attack them with chemicals and things like that. But they teach us a lesson that if you, your roots are deep, and in this sense, in the love of God, you're going to be spiritually strong. Remember, Jesus talked about and taught in John chapter 15 about the vine and the branches of the vine. He is the vine. We are the branches. We need to stay connected to the vine, stay connected to Jesus on a daily basis, and we will have health and growth. Because the vine produces the nutrients. If we're broken off from the vine, we're going to die. If we're connected to the vine, we're going to grow. So that's what it means to be rooted. But he also talks about being grounded in the love of God. Turn with me to Matthew 15. Because he uses another analogy to talk about our health and growth as Christians. In Matthew chapter 7... He makes the comparison to a builder and a foundation for a house. Matthew 7, beginning at verse 24. He talks about the importance, not just of a plant being rooted, but a house, which we are, spiritually speaking, being built on the right foundation. It's got to have a strong and sturdy foundation because storms are going to come, winds are going to come, And if the foundation isn't right and proper, the house will be destroyed. So he says in Matthew 7, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. We know who the rock is, don't we? Jesus. Absolutely. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So every day of our lives, especially as we start this new year, we need to make sure that we are rooted in God's love and we have the foundation that is built on Jesus Christ and that needs constant attention constant attention. And how do we attend to that? Well, we're doing that right here. We've come to church on Sunday, and we're being taught from God's Word, okay? And we're being reminded of the important things of life, the vital things of life, aside from everything else. It's that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, communicating with Him, studying His Word, worshiping Him on a regular basis, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, And that's going to lead to spiritual success in this coming year. The third point that Paul brings out in this passage in Ephesians, let me go back there quickly to Ephesians chapter 3. As we read on here, he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love, Verse 18, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So the third thing that he prays about for us, he prays that we grasp the dimensions of God's love for us. And grasp means not only to understand something, 
but to make it your own by way of experience. Amen. He wants us to understand how much God loves us and what that love entails. Now, we all know that we don't deserve God's love, don't we? We're sinners. <laughs> we cut ourselves off from God, so we deserve death for what we've done. And we've all sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have come short of the glory of God, the scripture says. But God, because he is love, intervened in our life. We were dead in sins, and he brought us back to life through Jesus Christ. And we are coming to learn how deep God's love is for us. It's unconditional. Because even though you know, we've made a commitment now to have Jesus Christ as our Savior, to have his death on the cross apply to us, we still stumble along a little bit in this life, and we still sin. But God doesn't stop loving us. Amen. He has forgiven us, and he will continue to love us, even though we struggle from day to day, because we're not relying on salvation by works, we're relying on salvation by his grace. You know, Jesus told us, I won't turn there, but John 17, verse 23 John 17, verse 23, he said to the Father in a prayer, you have loved them, us, as you have loved me. You know, when I first came to understand that, uh, that blew me away. Because I know that the Father loves his Son, Jesus Christ. And I know he kind of loves us as Christians. But Jesus actually made that comparison. He said to the Father, you love them the same way you love me. Wow. God doesn't love us any less than he loves his own son. Amen. That's powerful. That's powerful. How could God love me, a sinner, that much? He does. Jesus informed us of that. And furthermore, when we look uh, real quickly here at Romans 8, beginning in verse 35. Romans 8, beginning in verse 35. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Our sins cannot separate us from the love of God. He loves us even though we still continue to sin from time to time. Not as much as we used to. But there's no time where God turns his back on us or puts us in the doghouse, so to speak, or gives us the silent treatment because, you know, we messed up. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He says, uh, verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, you can be separated from the love of other people because we're human and we're still dealing with human nature and we get into bad attitudes and we get mad at people and angry at people and we can say, don't talk to me anymore or I hope I never see you again. 
or we wish that they go to hell someplace. We wish them that. Hopefully we don't do that, but other people do. And we can be cut off from people. You know, I talk to people who are cut off from family members for one reason or another and haven't spoken to a family member in 10 or 15 years. How sad. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He will never do that to us because of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ accomplished for us. Through his death on the cross, we are now children of God and our destiny is with him for all eternity, eternal life. So the third thing Paul prayed for, he prayed that the inner man might have spiritual strength. He prayed, secondly, that we be rooted and grounded in God's love. Thirdly, he prayed that we grasp the dimensions of God's love for us. And I don't know if we'll ever grasp it totally, but it's just beyond our imagination. And the final thing that Paul prays for back here in Ephesians chapter 3 is this. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So he prays that we be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What does that mean? We are all in the process of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ on a daily basis. We don't always notice the change and the improvement because it goes so slow on a day-to-day basis in our life. We have a whole lifetime of God changing us for the better. Sometimes we get discouraged and think maybe we're taking one step forward and then we take two steps backward. And it's a lifelong process of growth and maturity as a Christian. One page back here in Ephesians 4, you know, the church has a lot to do with our spiritual growth and are being filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Notice what he says here in Ephesians 4, verse 11. Ephesians 4, verse 11 says this. It was he, God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. So we in the church, once we're called to salvation, he gifts us to serve different roles in the church, to work with the congregation, to help them to grow, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature, attaining, notice this is what he prayed for, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's happening here. It's happening right now in this room. We are growing, we are maturing by learning and then going out and putting what we learn into action in our lives. You know, Zach is over there in Africa and all the things he's learned as a Christian over the years in the church and in his personal Bible study and in his prayer, God is putting these things to use. He's reaching out to people in kindness and love people of a different culture, people of a different language. But see, the Holy Spirit transcends all those things. And he's putting into action the things that he's learned and and the things that God has developed in his life over the years. And you know what? The praise goes to God because it's all his work. He's using each of us individually, no matter where we are, in our neighborhoods, where we work, where we go to school. He's 
providing the same results in all those different environments, but it's his work. Why? Because he seeks to have us filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And the Bible tells us that we are being transformed into the image of Christ, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And it's a lifelong work. So you know what? As we start this new year, we're not here as, as a church praying for all the physical blessings. Lord, you know, provide uh, Scott Coe with a new car and provide Eddie with a new set of clothes and all these physical things. That isn't what Paul prays about. It's all spiritual. Sometimes we're so physically minded and we're so locked in on things and stuff, stuff that's going to rust away, stuff that's going to grow old and wear out. Paul's prayer is about real stuff, the reality of who we are as God's children in Jesus Christ and the spiritual wherewithal that we're going to need for this coming year to please God. And he gives us all that we need, again, to review that the inner man might have spiritual strength. Secondly, that we be rooted and grounded in God's love and then demonstrate that in our daily lives to other people. He prays that we grasp the dimensions of God's love for us, which our human minds, we struggle with it, and we're always blown away that God still loves us no matter what we do and the mistakes we make. And finally, he prays that we be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That is God's goal for us. That's what he's working in our lives. And all we have to do sometimes is get out of the way and let him do his work. Amen. So 2020 is going to be a fantastic year. It's going to see growth in each of our lives, more of a development of spiritual maturity, and more projects that God's going to have for the church. And I hope that you're going to want to be here on a regular basis and be a part of it. And we're going to fulfill this prayer that Paul offered, a new year prayer for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the help you provided for us today. We, we kind of see the big picture now of what you're working in each of our lives. We tend to focus on the physical, our bodies growing older and, and things like that, uh, all of the things to be worried about in this world. We're going to be coming up on another election year, Father, in this country, and we know there's going to be so much hatred and so much venom spit out by both sides. And, and through it all, somehow uh, a president is going to be uh, provided to this country, a leader for this country. Lord, help us not to get swept away in all that. Help us to focus on who we are, why we're here, and what your goals are for us in this life and what you're working in our lives on a daily basis. And may we all be spiritually blessed by you, Father. Give us the strength to carry on and the determination and the commitment to remain loyal to you through the church. And we pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.